Hey everyone, it's Metal Rock and Whiskey Monday. This is a new segment. Well, I guess it's not a new segment anymore. Ed, when can we stop calling this a new segment? I I think we can hang it up okay. and just call it a segment, a segment. Well, at this point. it's new if we have first-time listeners. Well, then it's always that. fucking new. That's ridiculous. Anyway, this is I'm a segment. I'm just thinking about everybody. All right. This is a segment that we bring you each Monday so you can follow along with us on Wednesday's show. Did you get that? So Monday, listen. We'll tell you what the whiskey of the week is going to be. We'll tell you what the topic of the week is going to be. And then Wednesday, you can drink with us. Is that right? Uh, that's right, and like you said, it's a sneak peek of our upcoming topic, as well as the whiskey pairing. Yes, and as always, we hope this will be fun. It is always fun for us. Uh, hopefully it will be fun for you guys. Uh, and I have the pleasure of doing the whiskey pairing this week. Ooh la la. Yes. So you guys better get your wallets out. Oh, yeah, damn. Yeah. Ooh. Well, <laughs> as you know, we titled this podcast Metal Rock and Whiskey because we are pretty much equally passionate about whiskey as we are with music. So, each week one of us takes turns. Sometimes two of us have to do it back-to-back. And pair a whiskey with our weekly topic. So, now that's what these Mondays are for. So, topic of the week is... Drumroll, please. I'm really getting surprised. Motley Crue, again. This time we were battling albums this week. So it's part two, in fact, yes. of our Motley Crue series. Mm-hmm. And we will reveal which albums we are going to be battling and who the ultimate, or what the ultimate winner will be. Yes, and how many mm-hmm. albums are we battling? Four. Quattro. Four freaking albums. Four this is a podcast first, and... Know, maybe the last. Four is a lot. <laughs> I I kind of like doing it this way. I don't know. Well, we'll. I mean, I don't. We haven't done it yet. We'll see. We'll see how yeah, it goes. I, I like the way it felt when I was kind of figuring it out and listening to them and, and doing right. it kind of through tears. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. If it ends up being a battle, a bloody battle to the death, then maybe we will keep doing it. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. So, Max, yes, what have you got for us? Well, I have something interesting. I had to dig deep in the well for this one. So, as we just mentioned, we are doing a Metal Rock and Whiskey first this week, battling four albums from one artist in one show. So when I personally think of Motley Crue, there are certain words that come to mind. Danger, drugs, party, excess. Unlike many of their contemporaries, who I normally have a few choice words about on this podcast, I lean to both sides with Motley Crue overall. Some of what they do puts them right up there with bands I loathe. However, there is this inexplicable edge and cunning to them as individuals and as a band that draw me to them sometimes. I have similar feelings about a certain brand of scotch. This This brand has worldwide recognition being one of the largest selling brands in the world. For what is in the bottle, though, sometimes the price point on this brand is certainly a turnoff, but once in a while, I'm drawn to the brand's edge and ingenuity that separate it from its brethren. So for this week's whiskey pairing, I chose the Macallan edition number two. Whoa, interesting. 
thing, not yeah. what I expected at all. <laughs> I told you I had to dig deep for this one. Yeah. Um, wow. So this is the second release of four thus far in the McAllen edition series. This is from McAllen's website. At the heart of the edition series is our desire to innovate, to push the boundaries and challenge expectations in the creation, experience, and enjoyment of the McAllen. Continuing the story of our oak casks and obsession with wood that is fundamental in the creation of all McAllen single malts, the edition series provides the freedom to look beyond the traditional cask styles used in other McAllen whiskeys. Each year, a unique selection of casks each with a special and distinctive character, are handpicked to create a new edition that exemplifies the diversity of oak casks used in the maturation of the Macallan whiskies. Collaborating with partners from different fields of expertise, each release in the series is an individual, a true marriage of Macallan mastery and the unique influence from diverse backgrounds to the whiskey-making process. McAllen Edition 2, in particular, is a collaboration among four individuals. Bob Delgarno, who is the master whiskey maker at the McAllen, and three Roca brothers, co-founders of the world-renowned restaurant El Salar de Can Roca in Catalonia, Spain, twice voted best restaurant in the world. Holy shit, Yeah. That fuck could be the best restaurant in the world. Yeah, Damn. twice. That's um, I know. So they have a, they have a pedigree. Um, all in all, there are seven barrels used, combinations of sherry punchins, sherry butts, and refill hogshead using both American and European oak. Uh, the following are my tasting notes. On the nose, the scotch leans toward the sweeter side. Get a lot of dessert cart here, creme brulee, vanilla pudding, hints of cocoa, moving toward your dried fruits as, as expected, uh, figs in particular. On the palate, that dessert cart doesn't fully translate, as here you get more espresso notes and the dried fruit trifecta of figs, dates, and prunes. There is some very nice milk chocolate present, which rounds everything out. In conclusion, to put a bow on this, uh, McAllen, for me, is like the Motley Crew of Scotch. Big name, lots of fanfare, a term I like to use a lot, cookie cutter, most of the time. But out of the dullness will once in a while come a gem something with some edge and some balls. For me, McAllen Edition 2 fits that bill. That is my whiskey segment. Hey, Very cool. Wood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wood. Um, you know, it, it, I, I kept thinking about when you got to a certain point, this reminds me a lot of, um, it almost seems like it's like the Scotch's version of Chef's Collaboration, where you got like the culinary world and the Whiskey world kind of getting together and and producing something. And to that, yeah, pretty common actually. I mean, Jefferson's wasn't the first one to do that, um, so it's not that uncommon. For this particular edition, Ed, yes, but their other three editions, they I guess they partner with with individuals from different fields of expertise, not just culinary or okay. or yeah, so. I'm not I'm not super familiar with the other three, but um, I've tasted them all, and this is by far the best one. I thought so. for sure you were going to go with the four green bourbon. Yes, you know. I like, I like to com- I like to complicate things. <laughs> I like so, what kind of a price point are we looking at here? Uh, you're looking about a hundred dollars. Oh. Okay. 
Yes, so that's why I said you guys got to get your wallets ready for Wednesday. Dig deep. (laughs) Dig deep. Or share a bottle with friends. Yeah. Well, I like it. Thank you. uh, I am not going to go out and buy a bottle of that, but I will drink (laughs) a Macallan with you on Wednesday. (laughs) There you go. How about that? That's close enough, right? That's fair. That's fair. I guess it is a a lot to ask our listeners to to drop a hundred. But if you have one of those bottles, you're welcome to send me a sample, as always. So, guys, um, this morning I sent you a little article that I found. Did you get a chance to read it? Yes, I did. That was very interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting indeed. So, listeners, what we're talking about is a new whiskey that's about to probably bust onto the whiskey scene. And I'm going to say might be a powerhouse. Um, Pabst Blue Ribbon Whiskey. You heard it correctly. If you can imagine that. PBR Whiskey. All right. So there are already a lot of opinions out there about this whiskey. Um, I... I, went, I, I saw a blurb about it. I think it was someone posted about it on Twitter, tweeted it. Um, and I read the article. Um, I understand. I've already read a lot of conflicting views and thoughts about this. And I think we even had some interesting comments in our discussion this morning. What do you guys think about this? Well, first, you need to, we need to kind of explain what it is. Okay, so a... So, the definitions of spirits is controlled by an entity called the CPB. Okay, so that's the Alcohol, Tobacco, Tax, and Trade Bureau. And they are the ones that say, this is what can be in a whiskey, this is what can't be in a whiskey, and that's based off of FDA regulations. This is what can be and can't be on the label based on what is inside your whiskey. So, it's supposed to be... um, Proof, and um, we've talked about this on uh, the Pretty Good for a Girl podcast with Kayla, um, where the term proof came from, but proof that you are getting actual whiskey in the bottle. And if there's anything added to it, it must state that. If it's altered in any way, oftentimes it can't be called, for example, a bourbon or a scotch. There's a lot of rules and regulations, um, and we won't go into all of them. You can Google them, but... Um, there, there, whiskey is, is supposed to be an aged product. Supposed to be. Now, there's a lot of debate over this as well. Um, technically, when you take the grain mash and you distill it to become an alcohol spirit, you put it into a barrel to age it, hold on to it for shipment, etc., and that's where you're getting the color from, and that's where you're getting a lot of flavor from. However, technically, the TPB says it just has to be in a barrel for five seconds. It has to pass through a barrel. So you can take your whiskey out of still, throw it into a barrel, take it out five seconds later, and it's considered a whiskey. It cannot go directly from the still into a bottle. Now, what's going to happen is if it hasn't spent time in that barrel, it's not going to pick up any color. And it's not going to pick up any of the extra flavors or core flavors, depending on your view on this. 
um, of what a whiskey would be. So it's a clear spirit, just like anything that comes off a still, rum, whiskey, vodka, gin, it's all tequila, it's all clear when it comes off the still. Um, again, any color will come from any type of barrel or wood that you put it in, and if you have charred the inside of that barrel or burned it or not, etc., etc. Hopefully it's not coming from coloring and things like that, um, which is why the importance of the label. So, Absolute Ribbon decided they wanted to make a whiskey, and um, they were not going to age it. And so there's a lot of debate about it being called a whiskey, and I think that's where the contention is going to lie in most conversations about this. Well, in my opinion, you can call it a whiskey as long as you state exactly what it is. It's an unaged whiskey. Because if, if you put it in a barrel and age it, it's the same stuff that goes into the barrel. The only difference is you haven't aged it. So it's an unaged whiskey. It's like a finished bourbon. Um, if you have a bourbon and you put it in a barrel and finish it that was used for something else, you pull it out, it's a finished bourbon, which is a de describing exactly what it is. I know some people even have a problem with the term finished bourbon. Like, oh, you can't use the word bourbon if it's finished. Well, it's what it is. You know, it's a bourbon that's been finished. And it goes back at the, to the, at the end of the day. argument about Tennessee whiskey, um, why Tennessee whiskey isn't bourbon. Um, and in my opinion, um, the people who lobbied against letting Tennessee whiskey be called bourbon made a big fucking mistake. <laughs> letting them have their own designation, I think, was a huge mistake because they ended up fucking all of them. And Jeff Daniels is one of the best-selling whiskeys in the fucking world, you know. Um, so anyone who's in the spirits business right now that isn't already making whiskey, purchasing a distillery, or planning to make whiskey, in my opinion, is an idiot. Um, I, however, few things. The history of whiskey originally is not aged. Bourbon it is, but whisk, American whiskey it is not. So most likely, um, when George Washington was distilling whiskey, what you would be drinking then would be a variety of colors. However long it sat in that barrel to be transported or sat in that general store or that tavern is what color you would get out of it. There wasn't a signifying, qualifying color or age statement yet. So if you live close to the distillery, perhaps, you know, you, you were the first one to bring your jug into the general store, um, you got a completely white whiskey. If you got there two months later, maybe there was a little yellow thing to it. You know, if it was put on a, a wagon or whatever, or a boat, as we know from the story of Jefferson's Ocean, and it had to go across water and it was in the sun or whatever, that whiskey's going to be a bit more brown when it gets to you. So I don't have a problem with white whiskey being called whiskey at all because it is in fact our first american whiskey so that's not a problem for me um i think for bourbon it is correct to only call uh, absolutely correct that it's got to be because that is when they decided hey this is what bourbon is going to be it's going to be the first true american you know spirit then native spirit mm -hmm. yes but for 
Well, yeah, you're talking about a very specific subset right. of whiskey there, whiskey, which has very specific right, criteria. Exactly. And that's, and I'm yeah. totally fine with that. I'm totally good with that. Mm-hmm. But just a whiskey, I think there's nothing wrong with it calling it whiskey as long as it meets the criteria of the recipes and mash bill of whiskey. Now, what I have the most problem with is Pabst Blue Ribbon couldn't even get the PTG to budge. I'm using the term white whiskey. Which we, mm-hmm. I mean, I worked for a craft distillery for many years who actually has a tradition in making whiskey from before there were any regulations on whiskey. And their whiskey was, again, it just depended on how long it took to get there or whatever. So their first product was a white whiskey. And that's common for distilleries. Um, some, sometimes they'll make a vodka or a gin or they'll just make a white whiskey a white dog, a moonshine, whatever you want to call it. Moonshine has a really bad connotation, but they made a white rye. And I also felt like that was a different signifier. So that, so, you know, grains that were not corn were the first grains used in American whiskey before bourbon, right? So in my opinion, I would say it should be below the corn level that a bourbon is to be called a white whiskey. An American white whiskey. That's what I would say. I definitely think the TTB needs to make a move on this and make a change and open up that category because the white rye that this distillery made was an incredibly expensive whiskey to make. It was made with a beautiful heirloom rye. It was made with the exact recipe of um, Melissa's sixth great grandfather. Um, she has. She's using the original still, which is one of the oldest working double copper pot stills in the world, um, actually. So this comes from a tradition of how her family made their whiskey. I think it's wrong that she can't call it a white whiskey. That, that bothers me um, because it is older than bourbon. So I think that's one of the biggest issues I have with all of this is that there should be a white whiskey category. And I think a lot of people would agree that it shouldn't be majorly corn, right? Because I think we have the opportunity to treat white whiskey like we treat bourbon. You know, another native spirit of the U.S. or just another heritage spirit, I guess you would call it a heritage spirit of the U.S. because it has such a long tradition in our country. And you might find people making finer white whiskey if we open up that category, you might find um, that it will get more attention, which will give it more education. So that's the only reason I'm going to say I vote for this whiskey is because I think it might educate people. White whiskey is phenomenal for cocktails. Um, you know, one of the things that we all have a problem with sometimes is you have this beautifully aged spirit and um, people took so long to craft it and to age it, and then you're going to throw it into a cocktail with so many components that it's diluted it, and you're not really tasting the nuances of that whiskey anymore, right? Here's a perfect product for that. Yeah, let's not also forget that um, there was precedent set for this in rum and tequila. And you can walk by a white rum, and a white tequila and still call it rum and tequila, or you can buy an Ajo mm-hmm. tequila that's been aged, or you can buy rum that's been aged. So I don't see why they should treat whiskey any different. I don't either. I, it comes from bourbon is where it comes from. You know, the bourbon lobbyists were so strong and are still strong 
that they really dominate how all spirits, they're, they're really the dominating force in American spirits. And I'm fi- that's fine. I'm fine with that. Um, but I think this, I think this needs to be a longer and larger discussion. And I think it's time for this discussion to happen. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, have you guys ever tasted a, a white dog or moonshine or white whiskey that you've gone, wow, there's so much flavor in this? Have you had that? Yes. Me too. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to look down on it. I mean, it's not for me. It's easy to stick shit whiskey in a barrel and just let the barrel do all of the work. You know, you can have a craft Nashville and you just let that barrel make the magic happen. And that's, that's fine. That's one way to do it. The other way to do it is you really put everything you've got into that Nashville, into that distillation, into that fermentation, into all of the magical, magical things that happens before the whiskey even goes into the barrel. For me, that's the true mark of a master distiller, right? What comes off the still mm-hmm. is fucking amazing. The barrel is just going to take it to the next level. I would prefer when I go to these craft distilleries and, and new distilleries to when I taste their white spirits for it to be really amazing. And I think if there was a larger market for it, if people understood it more, that would happen for us. And I think it would be an exciting thing. So... I'm all for it. I'm, I'm really interested to see how the whiskey community as a whole is going to react to this. It is going to be, I think it's going to be a hell of a battle. Um, but I think at the end of the battle, there will be a lot of educating that will have happened. A lot of educating. Yep. My thoughts. But anyway... Well, thanks for that, Matt. That was freaking awesome. And Thank you, guys. I am really looking forward to our next show and talking a little bit more about Motley Crue, the Bad Boys of Rock, and battling these albums. So we will see you then. <laughs>